It all depends on how they're feeling, where they're at in their, uh, you know, in their um, readiness for the season. All well, those factors. We're recording now, so let's get ready for the season. Coming up today, I'll tell you the average age of Major League Sports and uh, how a Netflix show. Here's the real teaser for you. I'll tell you the average age of of Major League Sports and how a Netflix show brought down the average age of a sport they covered just because of the popularity of the series on Netflix. (laughs) That story and more. (laughs) (laughs) nice pre-sell there yeah Yeah. you really got into it (laughs) when i was working at uh, easy rock fred used to listen to me the odd time and i would my job was to back sell the songs and then tease through the stop set and uh, the classic one you always make fun of coming up four ways to you know four ways to make your home uh, more more sunny uh, yeah. <laughs> three things to do before you leave the house today. Be, yeah. uh, coming up, yeah. four ways to keep those streets <laughs> off your windows. Mm. That's right. Mm-hmm. John Tesh and the Lifestyle Show tonight at 7. <laughs> there's no, more pre-selling the content than there's actually content. Oh, yeah. Humble Howard, after this break, Humble Howard will tell us the importance of a throw pillow. That's uh. <laughs> right. <laughs> Always wanted to learn to knit. I'll give you three ways you can. Yeah. <laughs> was, anyway, there, was, there uh, time, was there a time you're told not to go? Uh, like usually you, you're I was told in the original days you're supposed to come off with the, the call letters right away. But didn't it uh, didn't it slowly go to you just start talking after the song? Um, not not in my last radio job. I, I know the young kids now they don't do the call letters at all. It seems. But I always did. I was still doing that at Boom. Yeah. It always made sense to me. Did Captain Phil send you that picture of that fucking arsehole consultant we had at the... Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Did did you see that? Yeah. That was great. He looks like one of those old, like the train robber on an old... (laughs) That's right. On an old uh, Western or something. Snidely. (laughs) Yeah. With a little... Yeah, that's funny. Something else, that guy. Yeah, we were talking about our consultants on that uh, episode of Toronto. Was it Toronto Mike we were talking about them? or I think so, yeah. About being consulted. (laughs) But uh, um, I remember that uh, we've had some bad consultants, but Dan's consultant at the radio station was the guy who lived on a boat. Yeah. Yeah. Now that guy was one of the giant assholes of radio. (laughs) but, but, But brilliant. Oh, well, yeah. Can, Great gig. You can, you can say his name now, can't you, Dan? Or do you know uh, I'd rather not. It doesn't know. even matter. Does it get me anywhere? No, good point. Don't get me anywhere. <laughs> okay, I'll say his. Anyway. Uh, yeah, Dan used to... Remember, he'd tell us stuff and it'd be like, what? I know. But then I used to think, this guy has talked that guy who owns the station <laughs> into being his consultant from a boat in the Caribbean. Which I know, is a it was great a great deal. idea. No, it was in Florida, actually. Oh, wh- wherever oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the stuff he was telling you, it just didn't make, even from a goofball sta- uh, position like uh, like me or us, you know, who we, do, we don't know programming, um, just didn't make any sense whatsoever. It was bizarre. 
It was a daily experience. We had a Skype meeting scheduled after I got off the air every single day. <laughs> I never met the guy. I could, you know, I, 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 I think I saw one or two photographs of him when he was younger. But I, if I walked by him on the street, I would not know that I had. Never. But I agree that it was a great gig he'd set himself up for. And this oh, was yeah. this was prior to Zoom. This was oh yeah. You know, he was doing these Skype, Skype sessions with you guys. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, so this one consultant we had had really long fingers and a weird mustache, <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. we never trusted him. But the other consultant we always talk about is a guy that couldn't keep the food off his shirt. And we thought, wait a second, if you can't figure out a way to get the food to your mouth, you fat fuck, why, why are we, why are we listening to anything you have to say about our show? These are the. Th- <laughs> I don't say that now. <laughs> These, that's old Howard who used to think that. But uh, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. You knew Howard to be a lot kinder, but old Howard used to think yeah. he was a fat fuck who couldn't keep food on his shirt, off yeah. his shirt. <laughs> You're so woke now. <laughs> but That's right. I'd never say anything like that now. You know, a lot of those guys, like, they're just like hucksters, right? Like, they, the, the gift of the, of the gab, the, being able to walk in a room and, and, and convince like ownership owners that they have the answers often from afar Mm -hmm. is is quite uh fascinating and you know we were so lucky at cfny the edge over the years to not live in that world i think the first consultant we ever had was the the fat guy with the food on his right wasn't he uh while we were there yeah for sure that was the first one that we ever had intervening with us on a regular basis like during the Marsden years and the Danny years and the Stu, we really we didn't have consultants. No, no, we did not. I mean, the people you paid to program the station program the station. And I, it, it always blew me away that Gary Slate could get sucked in by that McPhee guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> when we were first starting the podcast, this is ten years ago or eleven years ago now. I remember saying to Fred, you know, we should also. You know, maybe set ourselves up as consultants. And I said the name of our company would be We Hate Consultants Too. <laughs> and I thought, because I did a little bit of it before. I was never a program director like Fred, but I did a little bit of I worked with a morning show because I it was a friend, Jim McCordy, was programming a station in London and I was in between gigs and I mm-hmm. had a conversation with him and I said, yeah, you know, I. Would would love to come down and and maybe learn how to do this, and I and I spent probably the better part of a, maybe six months going back and forth a couple times, and you know it's not easy, but I I I, I just thought I'd have some credibility walking into our morning show and, right. and say, hey, uh, you know this is what Fred and I did, this is the kind of stuff that worked yeah. for us, but I uh, didn't have long enough fingers. <laughs> Well, your, your pitch wasn't good enough. That's right. You know, and there's management people would be laughing at what we're saying right now. Oh, you guys don't know. But no, there's don't. nothing like, how can I say it, like boots on the ground. Like, you've got to be, like, even when I was in Peterborough, the general manager who came in eventually and started micromanaging the way he does... You know, he had 10 stations to worry about, so he really didn't have a feel for the people on the air and who were actually there. I did, because I was boots on the ground, and it's just weird when you have the outsiders coming in and giving these comments and these um, opinions when they don't really have a feel for what's going on within the walls, because you know what it's like, what the answers are like. You have to feel them. You have to know them. You have to... You have to know what's going on in their brains. No, you're you're right. I mean, although 
you know, in light of what's going on in Europe right now, I don't know if Boots on the Ground being a program director of a bunch of idiots introducing songs <laughs> is, the, is the right. Oh, we had Boots on the Ground in Peterborough. Funny you say that. I'm watching the NHL trade deadline yesterday, and our buddy James Duffy is interviewing one of the players that got traded. I forget who. Right. And Duffy says, you know, we often forget about the challenges and what families have to go through during these times. And I, my mind immediately went there. I'm thinking, oh, wow, James, like, wow, with... with uh, well, you mean during the, the trade deadline times? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like if a guy's yeah. traded. Oh, it's terrible. You know, <clears throat> innocent enough yes. comment. And yeah. I know what he meant, but I'm thinking during Ukraine situation, it's like, boy, I don't know. That didn't sit well. And I kept waiting for him to say that. Like, say, of course, this, you know, it's trying. Nothing like yeah. uh, what's going on in Ukraine. I mean, he ultimately didn't. But your mind tends to go there. Much like mine did just when you said boots that's on the it. ground. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, that's Dan Duran, what can we look forward to from you today? Uh, we're going to talk about firing squads. Okay. You know, I've been around for a while. Well, since, you know, rifles, I guess. So, yeah, they, they where is that that they've decided to go to firing squads? Is that... In the state uh, somewhere, option. you can you can you request. can select firing squad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so if so you're on death list. row, you can go to yeah. the death row app <laughs> and just you yeah. just start flipping through your options: gas chamber, firing squad, chicken We're up the, the ass. Story now we got to save it for later. All right, all right, yeah. all right. I won't have much then after No, you'll have lots. Um, Actually, we have a chicken up the ass update. And uh, this, as well as Richard Krause talking about the Oscars and our good friend Mark Saltzman talking about some tech stuff. A big show on the way. Stick around if you can. Here's Dan. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from Humble and Fred Studios in Brampton and Toronto and is brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, and GoDaddy. And now here are two men who support time travel for everyone. It's Humble and Fred. Thank you, Dan Duran. You should include yourself as part of the Humble and Fred Studios. Humble and Fred Studios in Brampton, Toronto, and in, on the shores of, you know, Gitchy Gumi or wherever you are. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll write that in for, for tomorrow. I'm just thinking it'll make you sound, you know, because you, you are in a humble, you know, virtually a Humble and Fred studio in Peterborough. You really are. It would have made a great consultant. Thank you for that. Thank you very much. Yes. Well, you would have made a great consultant because you've been consulting all of us since I've known you, you know. Yeah, well, thank you. you think, I think Dan would have been a good consultant, eh, Fred? He can, his fingers are the right size. He can get most of his food in his mouth. <laughs> and uh, if there was ever any disputes, you know, he'd just say, yeah, why don't we, uh, mm-hmm. you don't think I'm right? You want to see my wiener? <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, Howard, you were saying, you know, could we be a consultants? I think we'd be better insultants. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> it's like you guys are feeling too good about yourself. Let's that's right. We'd walk in and go, you guys suck. <laughs> yeah. Here, listen to us. We've heard these insultants, okay? Brace yourself. <laughs> that's right. Who's going to come in and tell you guys how much you suck? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, all right, Dan, thanks very much. Check you later. Hey, uh, let's not mess around. Let's get right to uh, this. Hi, guys. Hi, Hi guys. guys. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. 
And uh, thanks to everyone who's been uh, getting a hold of us. Humble and Fred at humbleandfredradio.com. Let's uh, begin. By, by the way, before why don't we go right to the very last one? Because that's sort of the oh. most recent one uh, in terms of something we just did yesterday. Is this the uh, Ricky Ed Weber? Hmm? The one from Ed Weber. Oh, Ed Weber. Oh, I see. Okay. Yes. Right. I get it. Right there. Right there. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Dan's news story about the chicken in the ass made me think of uh, this scene from me, myself, and Irene. Uh, so it appears that Hollywood has uh, covered this topic. I can't remember that scene, actually. Can you? Uh, uh, I have it right here. It's basically... You know what? I can just do this. I don't do it very often. I'll just share my screen with you. Can you see it? Oh, right. There's so chicken. <laughs> Let's see. Have a look here. A guy gets out of his car, and there's a chicken in the guy's asshole. Oh, the chicken head. Right? The chicken head. Would somebody get this goddamn chicken out of my ass, please? There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right. All right. I got an. I think there was a tweet from my brother yesterday on our Humble and Fred Twitter feed saying basically of all the things that are going on in the world, you two are the only ones talking about this. But hey, you know, if you don't laugh, you cry. Hi guys. Hi guys. Hi guys. Hi guys. Okay, I'll go back up to the uh, top here now. This is from Dean. Hi, guys. I'm shocked. Shocked, I say, that Howard has yet to compare his Noom, Noom the weight loss app, experience to a round of golf. You might score a little high for some holes, then in brackets or meals, but all that matters is that you're below a certain number at the end of the day. Just saying, with a little winky smile, Dean. Uh, Great point, Dean. You know, it's true. Uh, I you know the the day to day weight that both of us have lost. I mean, it goes up and down. I mean, and and way more. That's one thing about weighing yourself every day. I don't know if you've noticed this, but you really do see the variance of your day to day, right? You know, like I've gone from one seventy seven to one eighty one in the last ten days. So you know, one seventy seven wasn't real. Another was one eighty one. There's somewhere in the middle is what your actual weight is, depending on the time of day you weigh yourself, and as you said the other day, what you've eaten the night before, etc. Yes. Hmm. I'm. I'm having a little. <clears throat> excuse me. Jesus. Yeah. I'm having a little problem over the past week getting uh, to one seventy three something. And I don't know why. Well, they talk about that in the system. They talk about plateauing, you know, and and you'll be sort of the same weight for four or five days in a row. Then it will just sort of drop and and whatever. Well, I'm waiting for that because I was such a good boy yesterday. (laughs) Were you? Mm -hmm. What what was your snack during the Jays game? Uh, For lunch, I had um, a thin coat, a tablespoon of peanut butter. With a banana on whole wheat bread. Nice. Which was, other than the peanut butter being a small amount of red, the rest was green. But I thought, you know, I was... 
I plateaued a bit, so I'm thinking, well, maybe, you know, I got to get those snacks in because you got to keep the metabolism thing going on. So yesterday I was pretty good, but I, again, I, I had no drop from yesterday. All right. And you know what it's like when you're losing weight? My scale has like, it has points. Yeah, of point course. Twos. Mm-hmm. Point twos. Just when that second number, or, or excuse me, like the third number drops and then and then the second number like they're sort of milestones Mm -hmm. like if you're 174 you can't wait to see it say 173 and then down into the 160s and i'm just stuck on that 170 or two i'm sure it'll drop soon was it what i just talked about how fucking boring was that for the audience no no it was great who cares what did you just talk about Um, let's go to uh, the next one from Anthony Bastone or Bastoni. <clears throat> Anthony says, would love to hear Tony Clement explain why Pierre Poliev's brand of populism is good for Canada. And, and so would we. Um, I think it was last week. Again, I was back and forth with Tony with a couple of emails because I'm like shocked and disappointed with the path that that party is taking. To me, they're just walking off a pier with this guy. Uh, again, you know, the populist thing, the sort of having to coddle the people out west. It's just, a, to me, it's just a weird vibe. And, uh, yeah, I, I want to hear what he has to say because I, I'm not big on this Polyev guy. By the way, speaking of the people out west, I was reading this, yeah. I think, on a CBC site mm-hmm. yesterday. You know, they're still meeting every weekend at some park outside of Calgary or around the Calgary area. Oh, yeah. Like, we're not hearing about it in Ottawa right now, but it's not gone away. Uh, to no. my point of, you know, when it started, that, like, it's not it's not something that just sprung up out of nowhere. It's been around for a long time, and it's not, as I said, it's not going anywhere soon. And the part, part of the problem for the PC party is that's a big enough movement out there to influence their policy yeah. whether it's pierre polyev or someone else they're going to have to you know whatever the phrase you use populist the the yeah. vibe now is going to have to include them the same way yeah. that the trumpism includes all the other yahoos that go along with it and here in ontario howard we have a an election on june 2nd and this new it's called the new blue party and their whole spin is, if you're not happy with the progressive conservatives, you've got us. And I'm reading yesterday that they're having some uh, sort of an online conference. And you know who one of the speakers is? Theo Fleury. Mm. And it's like, Theo Fleury, like, I'm sorry, but he's disturbed. Like, there's something... He's been through a lot, but politically and the way he lashes out, that man is disturbed. He has some problems, and he's one of their speakers. Guess who? Guess who? Another one is Richard Surratt. Absolutely, yes. And they have the biggest collection of creeps, like retweeting their stuff. It's, oh, yeah. it's something else. But you talk about it, uh, changing policy. You have a little bit of a shift there, and we're back to the liberals in Ontario. For yeah. better or worse. Well, and the liberals just made a little 
side deal federally with the yeah. NDP. They're going to be around till 2025 at the very least. Uh-huh. You want to talk yeah. about a lineup of creeps. There was one of those conservative <laughs> CPAC, something pack, mm-hmm. Pac-Man conferences at Mar-a-Lago. In fact, I've got some audio of, I don't know mm-hmm. if we'll get to it, of Ron DeSantis, another twat, you know, I just I mean, he's yelling about firing Fauci again, which is just bizarre to me. But the lineup of these people at the Mar-a-Lago, whatever the festival was, it's Don Jr., that Gilfoy lady and Sarah Huckabee and the whole lineup of just, you know, I don't even know. Ne'er-do-wells. Uh, let's get through these and then we'll uh, get guys, more of the show. Guys, this one quickly from Gord. I know Humble stepped lightly into the controversy around the Florida bill and admitted that he didn't know much about it, but wanted to give you, I wanted to give you some context. This is from Gordster. Anyway, he goes on to talk about the bill and, you know, the idea that teaching sexual content and orientation in earlier grades, and it's kind of what I was sort of getting at, that there's a conversation to be had, that it's okay to step up and say, you know, maybe I don't want my grade one to start down the road of sexual orientation and transgender. I I mean, on and on. I mean, there's some danger in that bill because then when do you start having those conversations? And I don't think teachers who are transgender or in, you know, uh, same sex relationships should be, you know, uh, embarrassed or afraid to talk about it. But I was just saying that, you know, the idea of, you know, it, I, if I were a parent of a grade tour, I might want to have a conversation about that. Yeah, I'd want to look at it. Of course you would. And my thing, you know, we put so much pressure on teachers sometimes. Are teachers equipped to go there? I mean, that's, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if that if that becomes the subject matter in a classroom, seriously, I'm given the fact that it's, you know, beyond reading and writing. Is that fair to put that on the shoulders of, of, of teachers? As Gord goes on to say, the law also allows parents to sue the school board. This is what's wrong with this. If they suspect that a teacher has violated the law, which could muzzle appropriate sexual identity education and where the don't say gay moniker has come from and bankrupt school boards that try and do the right thing. Anyway, there's a lot of stuff in there. Thanks for your interest, Gordy. We certainly appreciate it. And uh, and there's just one more. And this one uh, is... uh, covers a lot of stuff. Ricky uh, Manello. Hi there, boys. Uh, Toronto guy here listening every day from Melbourne, Australia. Enjoying the conversation as always. I'm a bit of a radio nerd. Love when you guys talk about your time in the industry, sort of like we did this morning. Mm. I miss the old days uh, where Freddie would smash out those sports highlights with such enthusiasm and passion for his Toronto teams. He still does. Howard, I've always admired your comedic style and demeanor on air, not to mention how well you hit the post. (laughs) Uh, You might have to explain to podcast listeners what that means. He goes on to say, I'm 32 years old now and was lucky enough to be entertained by you both through my formative years. And this is a sweet story here. Uh, My father was an avid listener as well. He was a funny man, too. Always the life of the party. Unfortunately, at the age, the the ripe age of only 68, he has been diagnosed with dementia. Just wanted to let you know that I told him the other day that your style reminds me of him. And he took that as the biggest compliment anyone could ever receive. He was ecstatic. He should be your friend. Ricky uh, Manello. Isn't that nice? 
Oh, yeah, but 68 he, dementia, my God. Uh, he goes on to say, P.S. Fred, I've heard that you mentioned, heard you mentioned you'd love to see Australia sometime. Feel free to shoot me an email. I'll give you some great tips. Mm-hmm. And if you do come down, come down to Melbourne, I'd love to buy you a beer. That story about his dad, though, that's just really sweet. The fact that, and, and again, you know, not to be too sappy, but... When you read such, you know, again, the passion that the listeners show us all the time, but something like that where you realize, like, you know, some of the nonsense that we do here from day to day has an impact on other people. It's pretty, you know, it's a pretty nice thing. Thank you, Rick Manello. And, uh, yeah, 68 and dementia is it's very young. That's just, that's just cruel. Yeah. I could, like, I just can't imagine. You take so much for granted, eh? And it's... Mm. And, you know, I've been getting a lot of... I've had a lot of tests the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I haven't really talked about it. You know, yes, everyone knows I had a stinging pee hole, but I had some other stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And I've had all these tests, and, I, you know, everything's come back. I had another conversation with my doctor yesterday evening. He called me, like, at 7 o'clock, and I had these ultrasounds and these back x-rays. And, and basically, everything has come back fine. And then we started talking about some other tests that I might have to do. And I thought about this after. I thought, you know, we're all going to get something. You know, it's we're not going to get out of here with without anything, whether it's, you know, you had your bladder issues. You know, I'm having some issues. No prostate. Prostate. Prostate issues. My buddy Paul. uh, My buddy Paul had a bladder cancer. My older brothers had some stuff. This fellow talked about his dad with dementia. Like, I don't want anything, but you know you're going to get something, and it's almost like, I wonder what that's going to be. You know what I mean? Not a, it's almost like a, a, a macabre curiosity, but you just know you're going to get something. You just hope it's not... Like, when you get... a guy. When I got the call last night, I thought, oh, is this the call where he says, hey, we saw something on your x-ray or on your ultrasound you should we really need to get you to you know uh, whenever he calls me i go sharif should i go to the hospital right (laughs) right now so what is this are you going to open up about this like this is all news to me uh it's not news to you off the air i've told you that i had some tests no i know but you it sounds a little more serious on the show are you just doing that for effect or Uh, I'm not doing it for effect. I'm just not sure if there's anything I can kind of share. <laughs> but uh, sure. Are you trying to be dramatic? On this show? <laughs> yes. We're all going to get something. And I've got but, this. I'm, I'm, I'm what I'm trying to say, though, is I'm almost curious. Like, what's that going to be? Well, wouldn't it be nice if you could choose as well? Yes. Because dementia scares the shit out of to me. And, you know, my... My best friend, like his mother, got early dementia, too. And it's just so cruel because, especially in a situation like that, you you have this otherwise healthy, vibrant person. And then almost in, to see that deteriorate just in the brain, it's it's a and not that I saw a lot of it. Uh, which one you, of your you, best friend's mother has dementia? Do I know him? Yeah. Oh, okay. But anyway, it doesn't matter. That's, so, well, you know, one of your other, you know, not maybe not your best friend, but somebody you knew very well. Right. His mother had early yes. onsets, you know, Alzheimer's. But see, that was, wasn't really part of my life, but I've seen my buddy sort of deal with right. it and go through it. And it happened so early. And it just seems so cruel because that person, you know, had a lot of life to live. No, yeah. for sure. 
Um, no, I... I, I uh, that, anyway, that, listen, if you could choose, that would be way down the list for me, dementia. <laughs> listen, you know, there are people who... Uh, you know, have a bit of a headache, go to their doctors, find out that they yeah. have a brain tumor. I heard this story recently. A buddy of mine had a mm-hmm. friend who's, you know, went there. They opened up their brain. They went, oh, it's just, well, we can't do anything. Yeah. Can't do anything. And then they closed up the brain. And then two days later, they were dead. Well, my buddy Pete, you know, one of my trailer buddies, that's what happened to him at 59. His hand started shaking. He would hold a Tim Hortons cup in the morning and his hand was shaking. He thought, that's weird. I should go see about that. And next thing you know, took him to it. It took two years for it to take him. But yeah, Big Pete, I remember him. Yeah, he was a really nice guy. He's a sweetheart. It's always the nicest guys, too, right? Yeah. And Pete, Pete was the 1997 uh, bocce champion. Mm. He was the very first bocce, uh, crowned bocce champion. Is he in the bocce uh, hall of fame out there in the trailer? He yeah, must he'd be. be because he's a champ. He's, yeah. oh, and he's also the first. Yeah, the, the first. Right. There's only been two two-time winners, of which I am one. <laughs> I was going to say. So he's a two-time winner and you're? No, he's a one-time winner. Oh, okay, okay. All right, I'm easy. Guy, but I'm not giving him two victories. <laughs> That's right. One. He may be dead. But he ain't getting a second victory. Uh, Humble and Fred at humbleandfredradio.com is how you get a hold of us. And, of course, you can follow us on uh, Twitter, on uh, Facebook. Although, to be fair, neither of us check the Facebook very much. I uh, usually check it after the uh, the show just to make sure the feed's there. Uh, in the meantime, let's talk about these fine folks, Frederick. Well, I want to talk about the retirement Sherpa, our buddy Tim Niblett. Uh, Tim is a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Uh, Tim will be on the show again tomorrow. After a week off, he was off last week. He spent the day at Universal Studios, and I want to talk to him about that. You want to talk about finance. Some of the numbers he was throwing at us. <laughs> That's right. Some of the numbers he was throwing at us for admission. I like. I, I, it must have been a typo. We have to talk about that. Because what was you, the number? Three seventy for a day pass. Yeah. Like, what is that park for Elon Musk and his buddies now? Like, I don't get it. But anyway, does that include snacks? You know, my yeah, my Melanie took the kids to the aquarium here in Toronto the other day, and it was yeah. like one hundred and forty bucks. Yeah. Did you know it's over a hundred dollars for a family of four to go up the freaking CN Tower? Yes, I did. Like, what's that all about? I don't know. How much should it be? I don't know. The CN Tower is paid for long ago. Like, you're just going up to look out over the city. Why yeah. do they have to gouge? But well, anyway. The, 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 yeah, I mean, I think they're basically charging. Well, I don't know why, but they're just basically charging downtown Toronto prices. Right. What the, what the people will pay, Howard. What the people will pay. Uh, anyway, we'll talk to, uh, to Tim about this. It's like, do you have to have a separate portfolio for... Uh, <laughs> for theme parks. That's right. Maybe Tim made some shrewd investments uh, in Disney stock. Anyway, he's the retirement Sherpa, retirementsherpa.ca. When it comes to keeping track of your health, a lot of people wearing, uh, you know, using wearable devices. They're not all made the same, you know. Some are just like toys. This one that we wear, the health gauge, the Phoenix, is anything but a toy. You know, if you want to keep track of your oxygen saturation and your health rate, on your heart rate, I should say, and the calories you're burning in a day and... 
blood pressure, and so forth. This is the only way to do it effectively and in a way that's shareable with healthcare professionals. Go to get the uh, HealthGage watch right now. It's the Phoenix. 15% off at checkout. It's all yours if you use the promo code HUMBLEFREDHG. HUMBLEFREDHG for 15% off at checkout. HealthGage.com. And uh, yesterday we were supposed to speak to our other friend, Tim Daniels from Florence in Italy. My buddy from Moose Jaw is living there now. And uh, I got a note from him this morning, I guess, whatever, it's the middle of the day for him. He said, hey, sorry about that yesterday. I just forgot you guys changed your clocks back. And he tried to get on an hour later. So Tim will be rescheduled. We'll talk more about the health gauge in the days and weeks to come. Um, speaking of money, I was going to bring this up with Dan, but it's really more, it, it can, it, you and I can have a conversation about it. I know I have a lot more takeout food than you, although I've been having a lot less of it in the last few months since I've been on this new program. But I, I, I have we ever talked about the idea of the pickup counter tipping? Because I just think that's ridiculous. And I, so I agree. And I'm a pretty empathetic guy and I'm. I understand the service industry has been hard hit. The last couple of years have been very difficult. But if I leave my house, there's a place down the street I go, mm-hmm. and I love their pizza, mm-hmm. and, I, and they're really nice people. And this is just one, I'm not singling them out. But if I go out of my house to pick up food, and I go to pay, I don't think there should be a tipping option. You should tip me. I came here to get the food. Mm-hmm. Why am I mm-hmm. tipping you? Mm-hmm. And I know that mm-hmm. someone listening go, well, you know, the service industry. I get it. I, I, I'm empathetic. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand. And what I really appreciate is when, the, when they give me the, the machine and the, there's no option to tip because they're mm-hmm. acknowledging that I've come to their place mm-hmm. to pick up the food. If it was right. $30, I've made the effort to come get it. Let me give you $30. If, if you serve me, okay, I'm going to get to that in a second. If you're serving me, I want to pay you for your service. But if you're just doing what you're doing, which is making the food, and I'm getting it, why, why are you asking me to, what is the tip for? Because really what you're saying is that $30 you thought this was going to cost you is actually more. In fact, just tell me it's $33. Fine. Don't tell me it's 30 and then ask me to tip on top of that, your thoughts. Well, and what is the tip percentage? I mean, I have a whole problem with that. Yeah, I'm too, getting to that. It's crazy. We went from 10 to 15, and now they're trying to talk into 18 and 20. It's, it's, the thing it's, is, that's the, price the new of, option. As the price of food goes up, that percentage goes up. So I've always had a problem with that. When it went from 10 to 15, that one big jump there a few years ago. Uh, yeah, I had a problem with it because I'm thinking, like, who decided this? Mm-hmm. But anyway, now I do 15, and I really have a problem with the 18. And so the, the tip jar you're talking about now when you go in for takeout, so what's the percentage supposed to be on that? Well, that's, there is, yeah, there, there, first of all, there's no jar. There's just when, I, when you put your... Right, right. When you give your card... But and you know they, what I'm talking about. There's, the, a lot of, there's a lot of places with the... I understand. The, but I'm just talking about when you go to yeah. pay with your yeah. credit card, mm-hmm. they, 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 you have to choose yes. no tip, which then I feel like a dick. Uh, exactly. Same here. And, and I'm standing there holding the items that I've left my house to come and get. I don't know what we... Uh, and, and by the way, I'd written that down, that 20% 
is now the new normal. And what? again, it is basically, so you're given the option, you know, it used to be 10% was standard, 15% became kind of normal, but now you're given the option and it starts at 18, 18, 20, and 25 in some places. But you can still put your own in. You can put your own in other amount. But here's my question. Like, again, with the background that, and I know I speak for you, we're empathetic. We want to help people out. We're not cheap. But 20% is one-fifth of what you've paid for already. It's more than just, to me, it's like, it's beyond a service um, incentive like great service right that's that's basically adding one fifth of your bill it's a lot of money if on a hundred dollars I know you know this it's a hundred and that's a hundred it makes your bill a hundred and twenty dollars that means every entree that you look at if it's 20 it's really 22 do you mm-hmm. know what I mean like because 10% was more like okay no, I'm going to give 24. you a tip say again it would be 24. 24 on 20%. Yeah. You're right. But but no, I'm saying when it was 10%, you, you, you know, 10% doesn't, it, it's not a significant impact to the total bill. And 15 means you had great service. But when the standard becomes 20% and then 25% and then a great service is what, 30%, that's a large, that, that adds a lot to this. It's a significant increase in the price of your meal. Well, I won't do it. I'll just do other. Like, I'll always look. And, you know, a lot of people tip after tax, too, which I never do. I don't. I look at the amount before tax, and I do 15%. And if I have to enter that in manually, I will do that. I'm not going 20%. You know, the odd time you'll get a really nice server. Yes. a really nice server and sometimes if i get the vibe the kid is really nice and maybe going to university or something you'll give them a few extra bucks but that's the exception to the rule with me and i'll be honest it's like i'm pretty hard line 15 for that reason and now with inflation and the cost of food going up recently now yeah. what does that mean because it's it's reflected in the menu now which means your 15 percent just jumped as well and that's why I brought it up again. You know, part of it is if I'm and again, if I'm coming to your counter, if really I've done I've done the job of service, I've come and got I came to get it. What service are you providing that I'm tipping you on? Because I'm just basically it's a basic exchange of ser- you've made it. I'm paying for it. You know where I find it really weird is right across the street from the studio, the Pie Commission. Yes. Because even at like you know sometimes your 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 mindset is um, you know even if it's fast food it's food there's some sort of connection to tipping traditionally and not that I would do it but there is still the mindset is there on some level yes I go into the pie commission and I order half a dozen frozen meat pies mm-hmm. I'm gonna tip <laughs> no seriously I know. I'm gonna tip you for what as you say for what. Because tip the tip, and, and it's going to be interesting because Krauss, Richard Kraus, our guest and uh, mm. a longtime friend of the show, used to work as a bartender. See, I get, and again, I've worked in the, I worked around restaurants and clubs and comedy clubs. I've been, I understand the service industry. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's the service industry. If you go buy six frozen pies at the Pie Commission, it's no different than picking up six McCain's over exactly. at Sobeys. You don't tip the cashier. No. 
But right. there's this expectation because it's yeah. a f- because it's food you're about to eat. I don't understand it. And again, uh-huh. I know this sounds like whatever, but I just wrote it down because it, it came up the other day and I'm thinking, you know, do me a favor. Just if I'm if I'm picking up the food, I just want to see no tip as an option. If I uh-huh. feel like we had a, you know, like you said, and we had a conversation and hey, you're putting yourself through, great, I'm going to throw some down there. But, but this idea that I'm expected to tip now on pickup seems odd to me. I never think of tipping the cashier at the grocery uh-huh. store. You know, there's a little Thai restaurant in here in Brampton that we really like. And I go through that routine all the time. It's, you know, I support the guy like, you know, through COVID, he said, you know, he had to, you know cover all his tables and he had to go through that oh i get the impression this guy's better off just being takeout yeah yeah a lot the of same them every time i go there you know when it's over a hundred bucks and it's like again i have to grab the thing put my card in and up you know tip and i'm thinking tip for what mm-hmm. same thing he's handing me some plastic bags over the counter like not happening yeah i know anyway let's uh move on from the another 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 <laughs> another grumpy old white guy session uh, for many years, Richard, are you there? Can you see us? Can you can you hear me? I, I can see you. Oh, I know what's happening. Yeah, we can't see you yet. We got to get How's Richard that? on. Richard Richard Krause is uh, for many years uh, one of our favorite guests. Actually, early on in the podcast era. 11 years ago now, we used to have Richard on from time to time, and then he was getting a bunch of his shows going, and now he's really, I don't, is there any platform Richard Krause isn't on? It's radio and television, uh, Insta, all the many, but of course, Richard is uh, known for a lot of things, you know, reviewing movies is primarily, and of course, just being a raconteur, gad about town. Did you hear me talking about uh, tipping there? I did. And, you know, I did that for a long time. I was a bartender. I made I my living that. off tips. And what you guys were specifically talking about was takeout. And I haven't worked in a restaurant in 25 years, so it's been a long time. But I'll tell you, takeout was a pain when I was working in restaurants because it's not just like going to a store and picking up your your meat pies from the counter and, and paying for them. Someone's got to package it up. They're cooking it for you. They're gonna, someone's got to package it up. Inevitably, when I was working, uh, it would be a phone order that would come in and the person who was the least busy would have to take the time to find all the stuff and package it all up. And some people would tip, some people don't. I generally do tip when I get uh, takeout, but um, I, I get where people think that it's the same as just going to a grocery store, but it's a much different mechanism. I understand that. I generally, you know, I, it's recently I've been tipping for takeout because of the pandemic and the idea mm-hmm. that, you know, they're struggling. And I get that. But in a, in a, in a in a place that's there for takeout, the right. option they and having to I feel all weird because they're watching you put your card <laughs> in, and I always feel strange going you know the option where it says no tip. I just feel weird doing that. I appreciate when I buy takeout if they're if they've removed the option to tip because they recognize that I got in my car and drove there. Right. Well, it's interesting. There's a new uh, study out that says that when people go to Starbucks or whatever, one of the, you know, a a coffee chain, um, that they will tip if the barista is looking at them. Okay, Hmm. so you you pay for your drink. Hmm. And then uh, if the barista turns away for a second, you don't throw that loony in the in the cup. But if if the (laughs) barista maintains eye contact with you, you you know, you'll generally speaking, uh, throw uh, 50 cents or a dollar in the cup. That makes sense. So it's just about how you want to be perceived. 
And exactly. I don't know if there was, a, you know, a, a little red button that said no tip. And then imagine if a little siren went off. <laughs> I didn't tip. Mm-hmm. Imagine. Right. Yeah. Would you use oh, it? Yeah. I don't think yeah. I would. You know, this is a great example. Two points I want to make here. This is a great example of there always being another side to the story. And Rich, I mean, you 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 provided that by saying, you know, the process to put it on the counter is more than we thought. Yes. I never thought of that. Good to know. Plus, you know, the, the the whole concept of shitty service should be penalized. Like, I don't even do that. If I have a waitress yeah. or a waiter that's lousy, yeah. you get in your head, you know what? They're not getting a tip. I always end up giving it to them. Yep. Me but too. why isn't that mechanism used more? Because wouldn't that help improve service? If somebody was continuously not being tipped for their snotty attitude, well, they might come around, so to speak. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Years ago, I worked in a restaurant. And we had a, a waiter there who was just a complete disaster, mm-hmm. just an absolute disaster. Uh, not only could she not get an order to the table <laughs> without getting it wrong, but, you know, if you ever had to take like a tray of glasses from the kitchen into the bar, she'd drop half of them on the way <laughs> in. Like she was just an absolute disaster and an eye roller. That was my favorite part of it. Like I remember oh, at one point she was taking an order from a table and they're asking her what she felt were just, you know, too many questions. And she's like, yes, yes, of course, yes. And she answers all the questions. And just as she walks away, I catch her eye, and she rolls her eyes and goes, <laughs> Jesus, as she walks away from the table. And I said to the owner one time, I said, why don't you fire her? I mean, yeah. she's just a walking you know, dumpster fire. And the, the owner said, who else would hire her? I feel responsible. <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, listen, everyone, look at this, the magnificence, magnificence, magnificence that is Richard Krause. And you know who uh, Richard is today, Fred? He's our gig sky. Yes. He's our mm, gig sky guest of the day. And uh, let me uh, tell everyone quickly before we get to uh, Richard, let me tell you what it means to be the gig sky guest of the day. You think I'd have that in front of me by now, right? (laughs) It really means a lot. It does. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here we go. In over 190 countries, uh, you can use this mobile data uh, breakthrough by downloading the GigSky app. Enter the code HF2022 for $5 off your first plan at GigSky.com. There's also GigSky Rewards. And what this gives you is access to affordable mobile data coverage in over 190 countries around the planet using your phone's eSIM. Whether you're pulling up directions, looking for the coolest restaurants or bars, or posting pictures on Instagram, you'll want access to data when traveling. Once again, download the app GigSky.com and the promo code HF2022. It's uh, been a long time that Richard's been uh, hanging around with us, and always a pleasure to see you again. And, of course, you're being pimped out uh, these last few weeks for Oscar stuff. In fact, Richard's got to get to a, a real uh, broadcast uh, <laughs> as soon as he's done as soon as he's done with us. Uh, but, let's, you know, one of the things that the conversation now is a days, we have it with you and our friend Bill Brio and others in, that, mm-hmm. in the business, the, the mechanism for viewing movies is so different and so you know, sort of um, varied now. You jump, Sometimes it's hard to know, was that a Netflix movie or is that a, a big oh. screen release? So give me a couple, uh, give me some con, uh, context. Of the movies we're going to talk about, are all of these um, big screen releases or are some of them just streaming releases? Or does it matter anymore? 
Well, it does matter. Uh, so th- this will be the last year that they've just allowed movies that went direct to streaming uh, to qualify for Academy Awards. Generally speaking, you have to play for a week in a theater in New York and L.A. Uh, to qualify. And so that's what Netflix did with uh, Power of the Dog and Tick, Tick, mm-hmm. Boom and movies like that. They played them to qualify them, although uh, because of lockdowns and capacity caps and that kind of thing, uh, the Academy said, Okay, for this year and last year, you can just stream and we will consider you. But that ends now. That's over now. So um, I have a feeling, though, with the amount of streamers who are really uh, just I mean, they're eating up all the uh, Oscar attention these days um, that we'll see that rule change uh, in the very near future so that the Academy Awards won't be strictly a theatrical thing. It'll be a little mix, a hybrid of of streaming and, and theatrical. Yeah, because I last night I watched The Power of the Dog. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised because I knew you were coming on. And I looked at the list, so I just spoke to my thing, you know, my Rogers right. thing. And I <laughs> I said, Power of the Dog. And I thought, how is it going to come up? Am I going to have to pay for it? And it yep. was free on Netflix. And I was surprised. And Howard asked that question. I'm thinking, how does this work? Isn't this a TV movie? But uh, No, well, it's, it's not. Uh, you know, yeah. Netflix has this really complicated kind of idea about marketing. And mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know this officially, but it seems it's anecdotal, but it seems to be true. Uh, that, you know, every year for the last three or four years, they have spent an enormous amount of money making movies like The Irishman uh, with mm-hmm. Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, directed mm-hmm. by Scorsese. Um, you know, Power of the Dog is a top flight cast. You've got Benedict Cumberbatch, Jesse Plemons, Kirsten Dunst, and, you know, nominated for 12 Academy Awards. And what they are trying to position themselves as is the go-to for uh, really high quality film. Uh, they will make movies that the studios simply aren't making these days and they'll pay for it they'll pay really good mm-hmm. big, awful bucks to make them well, well uh, yeah, but it's Howard, all in, in I, an effort to get people to, to get people tuning in and watch howard and i have done the math many times netflix how many subscribers how much a month mm-hmm. like it's like it's, it's 220 they have to spend mil- their money on some yeah exactly yeah. 220 million subscribers but but yeah, it's interesting right. you, you bring up a, a couple of points both of you I, I, one of the things is It used to be the process of getting financing for a movie had nothing to do with distribution. I know some of the bigger companies own parts of distribution, but think about Netflix and how they've broken the mold, which is they already have, they know when they finance day one of any movie that they've got 220 million people that potentially, or subscribers, potentially to see it. They've already got that figured out, so whatever they spend on a movie, they know that it's going to go into the system, and as opposed to think about the, the the risk of making a movie that's only being released in theaters, you don't know if anyone's going to leave their home to go and see it. Mm-hmm. Well, think about something like The Adam Project, which is a recent Ryan Reynolds yeah. uh, Netflix film. Ryan Reynolds could be making movies for anyone. He's in demand. You know, he's popular and he makes he's been working with Netflix and uh, they made Red Notice, which was a middling kind of action movie mm-hmm. with The Rock and Gal Gadot. Uh, but it, it, it was one of the, the big blockbusters for uh, Netflix last year. The Adam Project on its first weekend was streamed by some like enormous amount of people, like 39 million people watched it on its first weekend, which you just simply won't get in the movie theater. Well, and, and think about this. if if Let's just round it up. If 40 million people <laughs> went to see a movie in the theater, that opening weekend mm. is 
like 800 million. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it, it, see now, but again, what Netflix is hoping is that by having them being the destination point yes. for uh, upcoming Ryan Reynolds films, that you'll think, okay, well, I got to pay my sixteen bucks every month because I love Ryan Reynolds, or I like, you know, I, I want to see weirdo cool movies like uh, Power of the Dog or whatever, and th- this is where I'm going to be able to see them. I, I was a little surprised. Uh, I didn't like that action movie of Ryan Reynolds. I mean, it was okay. I was a little surprised. And then I, I got to be honest with you. People love the Adam project. Dan, my, our buddy Dan was watching it at my house. And so I picked up and started watching. I, I just, people I just, I was him. surprised. Actually, mm-hmm. I thought it was almost like a, it, it, like an Amazon prime movie. Like, you know, that yeah. level, do you know what I mean by that? Like I always find Amazon prime stuff, just a level below Netflix. Well, it depends. I think that will also change soon. They've started to invest really heavily. Uh, you know, people love Ryan Reynolds. Yes. And it is just not everyone. And I know I'm probably already getting tweets saying, I hate him. You know, I, I know that's probably happening right now. But but by and large, people uh, would like him. And as you're scrolling through that, that opening page with all the tiles, it says, you know, there's all the true crime shows and there's all this. Oh, oh damn. There's a new Ryan Reynolds movie that I don't have to pay 25 bucks to see in a theater theater that's what uh that's why movies like that like the adams project uh the adam projects gets 30 million people tuning mm-hmm. in on its on its first weekend it's sure. an unbelievable amount of people and money and i know this question becomes tedious but is it changing you know the future of the movie house the movie theater because you know what blows me away you know, our generation, we were really infatuated to really get into the big screen in your house, yeah. the 65-inch the TV. Yeah. These millennials, these younger people than us, their tolerance for watching stuff on small screens yeah. blows me away. Yeah, absolutely. So, what what is the future of the movie house if these people don't care for that experience? Well, wait till they get old like us. They're all we're all wearing glasses. <laughs> right. We're not able to see their little screens That's anymore. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now, I you know, I think that uh, the movie experience will change a little bit. And I think what we've seen over the last like 20 years uh, is that they've been trying desperately all this sort of thing. Like for a while, everything was in 3D. And then there's these uh, seats that you can rent that uh, shake and, you know, yeah, yeah. Rumble right. as you're, you know, as you're watching the film. Um, and <clears throat> I guess they're popular enough. 3D never really did much for me. I think what, you know, the, the studios are realizing is that storytelling? You don't need all the other stuff. You don't need 3D and you don't need seats that, that massage you while you're watching a movie if you tell great stories. And the Marvel people, whether you like those movies or not, have done a really interesting thing in terms of creating that universe, creating mm-hmm. this the, this web of movies, literally, that are all interconnected and the, the stars can jump around from one movie or another. Uh, and they've created this enormous uh, amount of attention around those films. Now, I think that what they've done is set the movie business up to only really cater to the big screen, big screen experience for giant movies, for yes. big Avengers movies and Marvel movies and that kind of thing. But the streamers have swooped in and uh, made a, a, a real niche for movies that the studios don't want to make anymore because the studios don't really want to spend 40 million bucks to make a movie that, um, you know, is a, a, a character drama that that might 
if it has if it's lucky enough to have Ryan Reynolds in it or you know somebody the rock in it somebody like that that will only make 60 or 80 million dollars they want to spend 300 million dollars and make a billion dollars well it's what i said to you about taking risks like it's a big risk now to th- make a movie where it's not going to it's not a netflix or an amazon prime they're they're hoping they're crossing their fingers um yeah. but it's interesting you talk about the big screen experience and and fred's point i think is an interesting one too about how millennials my kids both you know are very comfortable watching any movie on their laptops but i think we've all become more comfortable too because yeah. i love going to i live next to a movie theater so i right. saw but here's the, the, the where i'm getting with getting at i went and saw dune on the big screen loved it but i was coming back from uh, palm springs and i watched it again on a small screen and still liked it like yeah but it's not the same experience it's not though. the same experience and, and, and but the story was the story was just as good there are a few things that that give me some amount of help. I was at a movie last night. The theater was packed, uh, and and you know, people. It was great to hear. It was a comedy. People were laughing, and it was great to hear that kind of you know laugh from four hundred people all at one time. I love that. Um, but I think that uh, what the movies provide that your your phones don't, and and you know whatever other way you want to watch a film that is outside of the theatrical experience is uh, a communal experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after being locked up, this is what gives me a little bit of hope after being locked up for two years. um, You know, what we're seeing in other places is that people are going to the movies again. Uh, People are going to see live shows. People are, you know, going back to live theater. And when uh, we are sort of open enough and everything's back up and running again, I think we'll see it here too, because people want to have that, that is some kind of social contact when you go to see a movie and you're all sitting one way watching something happen in front of you and you're laughing or crying or whatever it might be all at the same time it does create a sense of community that you just simply don't get if you're on your phone on the subway right. trying to watch yeah, I uh, agree. Dune. Yep. so so this was this was last night 400 people day one of no masks what was the percentage of people with or without masks it, it was kind of i bet you half and half okay. um, and a lot of people I would say I would say more than that. I would say like 70 percent of people, maybe 80 uh, wore masks into the theater. And then once they settled Mm -hmm. in with their popcorn or whatever, took them off. And unlike, you know, three months ago or whenever you could go to a movie last, uh, they didn't put them back on after they were finished their popcorn. Um, We've only got Richard for another uh, six minutes. So let's just whip through this. Um, I I can uh, let, let, let me ask it this way. Of the 10 nominees for Best Picture, uh, give me a, uh, your pick that you think will win and maybe a pick that you think should win and one that wouldn't you wouldn't be surprised if they did. How's well, that? What do you well, think the, should win? The, the big money is on Power of the Dog because it's got 12 nominations. I got to tell you, the movie kind of left me cold a little bit. I, I admired its craft. I think that it's a really uh, beautiful looking film. It's well directed. It, you know, everything. The acting is top notch, but the characters are all these kind of enigmas. And I just didn't really care about any of them by the time the end credits rolled. So Power of the Dog, though, is is a film I think that film critics liked a lot more than the public enjoyed uh but it seems to be tipped although uh coda a movie called coda which is uh takes place in the the uh hearing impaired community um that film just won the uh, producers guild award and so when you're looking at what's going to win you look at all the guilds like the the uh, sag the screen actors guild that's all actors voting for actors and 
you know, at the Academy Awards, it's all actors voting for actors. So these Guild Awards tend to tend to point the way. So Coda has a very big chance of winning Best Picture this year and unseating Power of the Dog. If I had my money, it would uh, to burn here. It would be Belfast. Uh, Belfast for me was one of the the, the great experiences of seeing a movie in a theater uh, in the last uh, year. I absolutely loved it. Kieran Hines as the grandfather was incredible love the little boy that played buddy uh and it's such a warm uh movie that isn't about politics it's not really about the troubles in ireland although it's set against a background of that it's set uh, uh is really is a story about you know figuring out this crazy world that we live in so i think in a lot of ways that movie had a lot to say about what's happening in our world right now mm-hmm. uh but did it in a historical context and it's beautiful looking. It's in black and white. Mm. Uh, absolutely uh, lovely movie. Uh, yeah, I loved it. I, I mean, I've only seen four of the 10, but that is hands down my favorite. Yeah. But again, all this stuff is subjective. I, again, I watched Power of the Dog last night and I'm thinking, who could be into this movie? But Howard said Rachel. his lady friend Rachel, <laughs> Rachel loved, loved it. it so yeah. How do you explain that? You know, right? I tell you what well, I loved. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it'll win, but I, and, and it's nominated, but I, I love Nightmare Alley. And I saw yeah, that in too. theaters. And that was yeah. one of those ones that was dark and weird, but I enjoyed it all the way through. I loved Dune. I loved King Richard. Licorice Pizza. Yeah. Loved it. Don't think it'll win. Licorice um, Pizza would be uh, neck and neck with, with Belfast for me. Okay. And mm. and there, but here's a, well, let's leave with this example. Don't Look Up was the big Netflix sensation around Christmas time. And as you said earlier in the interview that they put it in theaters for a week so it would qualify. But, you know, I watched that in two parts. I, I was like, eh, it was okay. I, I get why it was exciting, you know, lots of different yep. stars, but it didn't really do much for me. I, I felt the same way about it. Uh, again, it's a it's a nicely crafted movie. Uh, you know, it is fun to see Jennifer Lawrence again. She had taken a few years off. Meryl uh, Streep's fun. Uh, Meryl Streep is fun. You know, Jonah Hill's playing. Awesome. You know, yep. Yeah. But for me, uh, I just felt like I was being hit with a sledgehammer uh, in every scene of that movie. Uh, you know, the big the idea sledgehammer came was in my way, hit me in the forehead. And then in the next scene, it would do it again like a pendulum. And I just didn't uh, find that to be a totally enjoyable experience. I, I think that it's got some interesting ideas in it, some good ideas in it. Uh, but, you know, maybe just uh, a little less heavy handed and that movie would have landed a lot better for me. I'll tell you what. <clears throat> Richard Price, uh, Richard Price, Richard Price, everybody. <laughs> Look, Richard Price. I'll, I'll use that next time. <laughs> Who is Richard? Uh, I have no that? idea. I don't. Okay. I don't even know why. It's I'm, me, fools. Yeah, yeah, come on. Richard Krause never fails to produce a, a fine segment. Man, it's been too long. I know we've had you on recently. We'd love to have you on again. And all the best. I uh, I enjoy catching up with you, and I'm glad you're healthy and well. And uh, we're going to get you out of here a minute before your next grown-up hit. Wow, that's luxurious. <laughs> Thanks. I can have another sip of my tea. Exactly, man. All the best to you. Thanks for uh, Thanks, helping Richard. us out today. Thanks, and uh, we'll Thanks, buddy. look with interest as the Oscars you. are uh, given out this weekend. There's Richard Krause. Go find him everywhere. He is everywhere, for God's sake. <laughs> you know, um, and again, I, I'm not the movie buff you are. and but Yeah, but you know, you know what you ben, like. No, no, no. I know what I, I like, but, you know. I don't like producers and directors and all that stuff that you reference. I that's beyond me. I just watch the movie and you know, half the time forget. When, who's when Rachel saw Power of the Dog, 
we yeah. were talking, and she said, "Oh, you know, you know, it's so good, and you're going to love it." And I and and. and Full disclosure, she is a movie buff. I mean, right. she's got a, a TIFF pass, and she's very involved and knows who all these people are. And, you know, whenever we're watching something, you know, she will reference three other things they were in. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm nowhere near. But she was really enthusiastic about it. And I just looked at the time. I'm going to be honest with you. It's mm-hmm. two hours and 20 minutes. Right. Or so. And, and I just didn't know if I wanted to invest that much time in it. I watched the whole thing last night, and I'll be honest, I'm the same way. When it's that long, I tend to sort of... uh, Like shy away from it? Clue out. And then by the end of it, Delise is explaining a few things to me. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, I didn't catch that because, you know, I'm struggling. I think, okay, I've invested an hour 45. Of course, I'm going to watch it to the end. But again, it doesn't hold me. Anyway, the point I was going to make, and again, I've only seen four of the ten. But, you know, the movies I've seen over my lifespan, like, I can't imagine anything. Will Smith not winning Best Actor for that. For King Richard, yeah. Yeah, this Benedict Cumberbatch last night, and like, okay, all right, but it, it, it was he was no Will Smith in in uh, King Richard. Sorry, you know, again, different different types of movies. You know, it used to be most of our lives, mm-hmm. there were only five. Yes, best picture nominations. Right, they've expanded it. You know, I was going to ask him if we had more time. Like. I never saw West Side Story, but I never heard anything good about it. Right. And I was going to say, is that nominated because it's Steven Spielberg? Power of the Dog is directed by Jane Campion, who is sort of, not sort of, she's very well thought of in that community. And Rachel knew who she was, and she's Mm. directed some other, you know, She's a big director, much like Paul Thomas Anderson, the licorice pizza guy. And I think sometimes, you know, my sense is that some of these things are nominated, as he said, actors nominating actors. You know, they have different criteria than we do, which and for you and I and most people just like, did I like it? You know, did I enjoy the experience? I don't really get too much into it. I just did. I like it or I, I really liked King Richard. Right. You know, so did I. Was it, well, to me, that was a movie. That's like a feel good. Like, to me, that's going to the movies. Yeah, and it's easy this to stuff understand that I have to, <laughs> stuff that I have to think too hard or appreciate the artistic uh, aspect. Yeah. Right, yeah. like it, like apparently, Power of the Dog. I mean, the vistas are beautiful and it's sweeping photography and all that's great. But I got to tell you another thing about me: if I start watching a movie. And it isn't basically starting to be over by nine or nine thirty. I, I start, I start right. to fall asleep. Um, another interesting phenomenon through this: this Javier Bardem and Nicole yeah. Kidman both nominated for being the Ricardos for actor and actress. And yeah, that movie movie was okay. It's just yeah. to me, it's like. That movie was okay, but See, but I like great. But, but but I get why they were nominated because the movie was okay. Exactly. But they this were is really what I'm good. getting at. Yes, I thought they were both really good. I like him. Yeah, uh, yeah. And most of the stuff you know for most people who if you don't know he was the guy with the uh, Three Stooges haircut in no country for old men like just scary dude hey uh before we uh, get into our next segment and i like talking movies with you but i want to make sure that we get some of this stuff done because we're going to run right into uh, another interview here with a very good another friend of ours mark saltzman 
uh, provided by our friends at GoDaddy.com. We're going to talk about Mark and his experience with that. But first, let's talk about this. Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. It's the Chambers Plan, Canada's leading group benefits uh, uh, gr- uh, benefit plan, excuse me, for uh, small business. You can get a free quote today. Go to chamberplan.ca. All the information is there. They ask you about your uh, business, and then they come right back at you with what it's going to cost, and you'll be pleasantly surprised. Small business can be part of this, and don't worry about the premiums. They do a great job on holding the line. They have to. Small business can't afford big jumps every year, so they make sure that does not happen. Whether it's prescription, whether it's dental, whether it's travel insurance, whether it's therapies, whether it's the teledoc system. Listen, I could go on and on about all the things that are offered. Take the time today. Go to chamberplan.ca. Find out what it's all about. Read the testimonials. They're all there. You know, 30,000 Canadian businesses are part of this. They've been around for 40 years. It really is top-notch, top-to-bottom, uh, chamberplan.ca. Uh, we haven't mentioned this uh, podcast. Have you ever heard of Smartless? Yeah, it's pretty good. We haven't mentioned them in a while, but uh, I just thought of... There's a few recent episodes that I really enjoyed, one of which, and I think I mentioned it, was with David Byrne of the Talking Heads. I don't know if you mm-hmm. caught up to that. Very good. I heard it. Yep. He also, they also interviewed Adam McKay, who directed Don't Look Up and has done a lot of other cool movies, along with mm-hmm. Will Ferrell. Uh, the most recent episode, if you're an Amazon subscriber like me, uh, that they're on Amazon Music one week before you get them on Spotify. Mm-hmm. And so the one that just uh, was released Monday morning was with David Spade. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. It's interesting because I listened to a little bit of David Spade and Dana Carvey on their podcast and and they admit that they're not hosts they're not broadcasters but i i find that fascinating because what they're basically doing is talking to ex saturday night live cast members and i find that interesting but david spade as a guest was very good and very funny and i guess they uh they never got around to doing their smartless tour here in massey hall they were supposed to come in february but they did do some dates it sounds like yeah yeah, February 2nd, they were supposed to be here. Uh, a couple other things. Speaking of uh, our very first day without a mask, if you uh, know, after a couple-week hiatus, the uh, Parliament sat yesterday. And just another example of the politi- polarization and the politis. What's the word on the politics? Yeah, I know what yeah, you're the saying. Yeah, the politics. We know. Yeah, we know. Yeah, the politics of of masks and health. So you can imagine. There's the PCs, the NDP, and the Liberals. Can you guess which party wasn't wearing a mask? Can you guess which party was? Of course. Yes. Are you talking federally? Yeah, federally. Oh, okay. They sat for the yeah, first time. Uh, yeah. They weren't. Yeah. Why? Because it's Ontario, I guess. Would that be the reason? No. This is the no. This is the federal. No, but they sit in Ontario yeah, and the mask said, mandate was lifted, so yeah. that's why. I guess. Yeah. But, you know, it was just interesting that the NDP and Liberal are still mostly masked up, you know, being safe and precaution. And then oh. the PCs are, you know, let's take the masks off and, you know, nod to the, make sure we, make sure those people know we're, we're behind you. Because that's what they're doing. That's what I think. Yeah, but, see, I... I, I 
I know what you're going to say. I, no. I don't vehemently disagree, but it's they sitting in Ontario and they lifted the mask date yesterday. Yeah. And I think the next phase is each person decides what they want to do. So I don't think those people didn't keep them on for political reasons. Oh, of course they did. Same thing here in Ontario. The PCs or the Ford government didn't. And then, of course, all the NDPs made sure everybody saw them in their masks. Like, I don't know what to say to that. Well, I guess what I, I would probably, say is I probably wouldn't have wore one yesterday. OK, but why not err on the side of safety and precaution? And let's let's just take it a little bit slow. Let's ease back into it. OK, well, maybe that's what they're doing. Some did. Some didn't yeah. like. And by the way, there were some uh, uh, progressive conservatives in Ontario that did wear them yesterday. Again, my whole problem with it. OK, so wh- where does it end? They were lifted. So so precaution for when till when for I don't know, for a while. Um, not, by the way, not every school system in Ontario school district, I should say, Hamilton, uh, one of the uh, schools systems there, the school districts didn't go back to uh, mask off. They kept masks on for another couple of weeks. And to me, that's extremely political. I NDP, know. Hamilton and NDP hotbed. I think that was a shot at the sitting government. I, I, that's so tough to figure out. See, here's the problem that we're falling into now. As of yesterday, it became your choice. And now we're nitpicking on people's choices again. You know? Well, I, I'm only, listen, I'm, I'm yeah. in the everyday person. I don't care what you do. I mean, for me, right. I'm going to not rush back to Sobeys today without a mask on. I kept my mask on yesterday and I just didn't even think about it. Um, I I just thought it was just just the way I watched the news last night. I could just see the politics of it, the politicization or whatever the word I'm looking for. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know that the NDP and Liberal are making a statement, but it's more of a statement. Um, to me, it's more of a statement of let's just, you know, for the time being, because as I pointed out yesterday, this thing isn't over yet. It's it's well, going to come back. Go ahead. No, oh, I'm saying it's never going to be over. Mm. We know that. So when do we like that? That's that's why I'm sorry, but I just I'm more of the mind. Let's get on with it. Let's take them off and see what happens because we have to deal with this thing. I don't know. So it's like ease into it. Okay, but so three weeks from now it's okay or like no maybe when the hospitalizations that. level out or maybe when there's not the threat of the the Delta Cron or whatever they're calling it. That's like I I'm of the mind that it doesn't hurt. To be a bit more cautious so that, like I'm looking here at the COVID-19 hospitalizations. I know you say, oh, it's never going away. But, you know, there's a case to be made that it hasn't gone away. We've just gotten tired of it. I, I, I totally agree. But so, so what do we do? I don't have the answer. I just know if there wasn't an election in a month or whatever yeah, it see, is. I don't even understand that, Howard, because yeah. the thing is... Why would Doug Ford do it now? Because all indicators are that if this falls off a cliff, it'll happen before that election. So he ain't doing it for political reasons. He's staring down at a, at a disaster if this goes south. Yeah. If, it, if, if it's okay, he followed the recommendations of the scientists, of the medical community, which you're supposed to do. To me, the safest thing he would have he could have done was kept him on. on until after the. So when people use that argument, it's like I don't get that. He's asking for trouble right now. Yeah, I guess so. Um, there was uh, twelve hundred new cases in the province yesterday. 
and I'm looking for hospitalizations. But, hey, listen, I want uh, nothing would make me happier than for somebody to come out and go, okay, it's all over now. You're fine. And I don't I don't like having a mask on any more than you do. I just think that, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with being a little more cautious. I don't know if I were in that movie theater with Richard Krause last night. You know, I would have kept my mask on until I sat down. And I probably would have had it on more of the time. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 62 years old. I don't want to get this. That's another interesting thing. I mean, I mean, just from a sort of a pragmatic standpoint, it's like. So you go into the thing and as long as you're eating popcorn, you don't oh, have no. to have your mask on. So you nurse your popcorn for the whole movie. Yeah. But you had a mask on. So you're, you're a person that believes in masks, but you took two hours to eat a popcorn. So you didn't have your mask on. No, like all that kind of stuff to me just makes well, my, no, I know. my head spin. The, uh, Melanie went into a Walmart yesterday with the two kids and they all wore their masks in the front door. And then once she got a lay of the landscape, she mm-hmm. pulled it down yeah. because she really enjoyed not wearing the mask. Yeah. But there weren't a lot of people in there. And I think that's, I'm going to have a mask with me. It's just any opportunity to take it off, I will. Uh, and I'm, I will too. But it was just interesting watching the news last night and seeing exactly along the political lines where everyone, you know, sussed out in terms of their mask uh, adoption. Let's talk now to this guy. This guy's been coming on our show for a very long time. It's interesting that he was offered to us as an interview for GoDaddy because, and I thought it was, I, I, I sent a note to the agency and I said, oh, don't worry. We, we know who Mark Saltzman is. Who doesn't? For years, Mark's been contributing not only to our podcast, but prior to that, when we did terrestrial radio and satellite radio, we'd have Mark on the program. We understand Mark's career journey, but uh, welcome back, my friend. How are you? Thanks so much, guys. Good morning. I'm okay, thanks. How about you two? Oh, my God. Every day's a gift here, Mark. Every day. I hear you. I hear you. I pinch myself, too. Yeah. Well, you know, when, when, when I found out from GoDaddy, they said we'd like to have Mark on the show, and I thought, that's interesting. How? How, am, how are Mark and GoDaddy mm-hmm. associated? Uh, and we'll get to that. But, I mean, you've been in this tech industry a long time. You were one of the first people I knew that blogged, that had an idea of what the Internet was all about. Let's just get right to it. What are some of the trends you see now? And then maybe tell us how GoDaddy has uh, been uh, effective as a partner with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks, Howard. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of tech trends going on right now, but the world essentially has, because of the pandemic, I believe, has become super techy. Love it or loathe it. Uh, this, you know, we're doing, you know, everything from dating to shopping to banking and online trading and communicating our entertainment we stream now. It's all, you know, it's all digital. It's all techy. And Unfortunately, for some who went, you know, kicking and screaming into the 21st century, it's not going to go away. I mean, I'm glad that there's more in-person conferences now and schooling is back in person. Like, obviously, too much tech is not good, but uh, definitely some of the trends are this. um, I would say this fusion between the physical and the virtual. And we're, you know, we're hearing buzzwords like metaverse. I do think we're going to get to that where it's the lines are going to blur between what you do in person and what you do online. And that could be with a VR headset or augmented reality glasses. I find it fascinating on one hand, on the other hand, a little, a little creepy, a little scary. And I do worry about 
the social skills of the next generation of uh, of kids who grew up who grow who are growing up too techy. Um, but yeah, so definitely a lot of fun tech trends, um, you know, but in moderation. So mm-hmm. yeah, and as you said, you guys have been nice enough to have me on your show uh, 25 years ago when I was starting. Um, but uh, obviously, the times are really different today. It's all tech. Yeah, that that whole virtual aspect, I I often think about that. If if you have a kid eight or nine years old and they have this, they can live in this fantasy world of yeah, whatever. Having with, an avatar represent them instead with a of helmet on. Like, mm-hmm. what incentive is there to go outside and just yeah. hang with your buddies if you live in this like uh, right. futuristic world with a helmet on or whatever you wear? Yeah, it's a tricky thing for parents because yeah. you know they they get the moderation thing. Many of them do, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 a mm-hmm. it's a delicate balance, but they could be missing out by not being in that as well. Right. right? Well, you I, know, as I said, you've been a friend of ours and a partner of the program, but you've been with GoDaddy for a number of years. Talk a little bit about that relationship. Yeah. So I have some partnerships like brand, like I'm selective about with whom I partner because I'm still a journalist and I don't want to lose that side of my work. So I'm selective about uh, who, who I work with to help, let's call it evangelize some of their services. So ironically, as a tech guy, I didn't have my own website. And a couple years ago, I know I didn't (laughs) until fairly recently. And and, and someone from GoDaddy who I'd already worked with on some other campaigns said, you know, it's kind of silly and ironic that you of all people don't have. And I'm like, yeah, but I I didn't, you know, I don't know how to code. I don't know what it's going to be like to maintain it. Uh, And I was also emailing with them from like a Rogers.com email address (laughs) or like a Gmail. And they're like, okay, let's do a little tech overhaul on you, Mr. Techie. And I started working with them on, you know, I mean, I've always been pushing about how you should be professional as you're building your brand. I talk to entrepreneurs all the time. Um, And, and it's funny. So I started working with them by creating the MarkSaltzman.com website, uh, which was long overdue and a lot easier to do than I thought. So I really, you know, drank the Kool-Aid. I really believed in what these guys were doing and how simple it was. And then I also have a professional email now instead of my, you know, ISP email (laughs) or Yahoo. So, yeah, so that's our current campaign is is working with uh, with GoDaddy on a professional, not just a website, but a professional email uh, powered by Microsoft 365. So, yeah, they're really great, really great mm-hmm. folks. And uh, I know the folks who run Can- GoDaddy Canada, they're fantastic. So that's the Microsoft uh, connection as well. Yeah. Like so they have a partnership, too. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes GoDaddy will partner with, you know, Sierra, like for Canadian, like .ca websites. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll partner with uh, other, you know, other companies like Microsoft. Yeah. And I've been a Microsoft uh, user and fan for over 25 years, for sure. Yeah, so that's the the genesis of the partnership there, and we just continue to come up with interesting ideas. Look, I'm probably a lot cheaper than one of the Raptors that they hire. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm <laughs> but, sure. You know, uh, but uh, you know, no, they're really great folks. But not a lot. But you know, yeah, I, maybe I'm getting up. There. I mean, we've talked about some of the attributes. You know, you can set up your website for free. Yeah. GoDaddy.ca is where you do that. No credit cards required. Twenty four seven phone support, which mm-hmm. is exemplary. Um, and and a guy like Mark Saltzman is working with GoDaddy. What about any advice for others who are looking to create their personal brand to to sure. further their online presence? Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely figure out what your niche is. And unless you want to be a generalist, like a news reporter or whatever, find out what you're super passionate about. Double down on that, what you're an expert in, uh, and then figure out what platform makes sense for you. You don't have to be everywhere. So you could be like a hockey expert or fanatic, whatever, and, and want to do TikTok. 
Like that's okay. So marry what you know with where you want to share your mm-hmm. information and figure out where you're comfortable. Are you uh, more comfortable as a journalist uh, or do you like being in front of the camera? Or what about the microphone and not the camera? Uh, these days, as you guys likely know, you kind of have to, you feel like you need to do it all. You don't, um, but you know, you obviously are going to be widening your opportunities if you're comfortable with audio, video and, and writing, uh, which is, has been my approach. Try to be multimedia, even move movie theaters and, and all that. Um, so, yeah. And then just, you know, be professional again, just to circle back and without overdoing it with GoDaddy, like you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. So you're often going to be emailing like a potential partner uh, mm-hmm. that may want to invest in you. And that's the first thing they see. It should be a professional approach, but yeah, yeah. exactly. And then as you guys likely, likely know for every one hour, you're doing your craft, like your podcast, for example, spend three to four hours getting more work. <laughs> like I hate to say it, but it boils down to biz dev, right? Uh, and if you're not comfortable on the business side of things, then have someone do it if you can afford it. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I remember giving that that uh, piece of advice to a graduating class of journalists from college. And I was like, yeah, for every one hour you spend writing, if you want to be a freelance journalist in Canada and be successful, you've got to spend at least four times that in getting more work. And they didn't mm-hmm. like that answer. No, it's hard. You, that part's yeah, really it's, shitty. <laughs> it's a grind. You guys know that. More yeah, totally, anybody, man. Right? So you don't last as long as you guys do without pivoting and, and, you know, um, uh, and, and, you know, all these amazing partnerships that you have. That, that personal brand thing. I mean, it's so competitive out there. So much stuff out there is narrow casting more important nowadays too. If you're, if you latch onto something, it's got to be pretty specific. I, for, for me, that wasn't my approach. So I I don't think it's a one size fits all scenario. It's a good question. Uh, As I said, figure out what platform you want to be on. It doesn't just Mm -hmm. have to only be TikTok. My approach was to paint with as broad of a brush as possible, but that doesn't appeal to everybody either. I could have, I'm I'm sure I've lost out on gigs because I wasn't too specific. You know, tech is pretty wide. It's right. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it's, it's, if that works for you and you, I just, I'm a believer in being an expert in one thing really well. So you can become the go-to girl or guy in that space. Right. Uh, And then, and then the pendulum swings back. I mentioned, you know, for every one hour you spend blah, 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 but eventually you're going to get a bunch of offers uh, in your inbox and you can choose, you can pick and choose which ones you want to work with. And that's a wonderful, it took 20 odd years for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and we 25 year overnight success. You know, we've had this conversation with people that are interested in podcasting. And, you know, the big advantage we had on day one is we already had a built in audience. We didn't have to create mm-hmm. a brand. Sure. We came to the podcasting right. world with brand equity, as we said. Yeah. But I'll tell you, you had name recognition. we had name recognition and which mm-hmm. is one of the things that sort of. But to start something now, that's why GoDaddy is so important. If you want to start today, you need a partner here. You got a guy like like Mark Saltzman saying, listen, they helped him and he'd been doing this tech stuff forever, freelancing forever. And even GoDaddy could find a way to increase Mark's uh, cachet and, and, and increase the brand equity of a Mark Saltzman. Now, just aside from that for a second, I want to ask you a couple questions that aren't on uh, our briefing. One of them is... No, you, not how. Yes. Yeah, okay. But it's, it gets back to something you said at the beginning about virtual reality and metaverse and such. And I know you have children like we do. Um, mm-hmm. My question is, does it ever get... Are you ever tired of learning new stuff? 
I, I'm not, it's not exactly as uh, eloquent as I meant to be, but you know what I mean? Like at some point, you just go. It's overwhelming. It's a bit like, because I yeah. remember when you used to come into our studio and you would bring four or five different things and it yeah. would be like, wow. And you knew how everything worked and you got me uh-huh. onto a new phone and such. But there's a. There's a fatigue to it at a point. And I tell you why, I'm so tired of hearing about NFTs and current Bitcoin because I'm like, I don't know if I want to learn. Do I have to learn? You don't have to, right? Pick and choose what, you know, if you have no interest or patience for some of these things, like owning a piece of digital art that someone can just download off the internet for free and, and it looks just like the one you own, but you can't say you're technically the owner, then don't invest in NFTs. Look, I mean, yes, yeah, so to answer your question, it's easy to get uh, a bit overwhelmed and a little also, just a little bitter sometimes, you know, because I've seen so many evolutions of things. And, I, and, you know, as you know, all the PR people are like, this is the best thing ever. And I'm like, I've been around long enough to know it's not. <laughs> it's right. not original either. So, you know, I sometimes get burned out from from it because it's a constant, you know, especially in the tech space. It evolves so rapidly. Right. A hundred years in the tech. In, excuse me. Twenty five years in the tech industry is like a hundred in another. Uh, but, yeah, just pick and choose. You know, you don't have to like everything. I don't. And I'm a techie. Yeah. So and, and I love to unwind, by the way, with like, you know, Offline, hundred percent, like a, jig, a jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. It doesn't always have to be a jigsaw puzzle. It makes, he makes iPad. some nice bread than a jigsaw. Yeah. Exactly. Here, here would be my question to you: early yeah. adopter, obviously, you sure, were yeah. cutting edge, right? Mm-hmm. Ahead of the game. Traditionally, you've built this career through it. Yeah. Did you jump on Bitcoin? Come on. No, no, you didn't. No. And I had a guy. So part of me is kicking myself, but it, it, it's too volatile. <laughs> oh, the club. It's, it's too volatile for my taste. Yeah. However, I had. Uh, so I, as you likely know, I host a show called Tech Talk, a radio show. And I had mm-hmm. a guy on in 2013 who's a friend of a friend. And this guy, Ed, was on my show. And he, it was like $100 a Bitcoin at the point at that mm-hmm. time. And I was like, that's insane. <laughs> You know, little did I know it went to like 80,000 at one point. Yeah. But it's I, I hate the roller coaster thing. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. So, okay. yeah, no, I'm, I don't have uh, any crypto. Um, and someone wants to gift me an NFT uh, because I just had them on uh, an, a radio show. So, yeah. but no, I'm, I'm very old fashioned, like fiscally conservative. No, I hear you. I mean, uh, the reason I brought it up to it. Hey, well, people I, have made a lot of money. I, I brought it up because I knew we were going to talk to you. But I've been thinking a lot about it. I read a story this morning about a restaurant in LA that's doing an NFT uh, release of a new, I mean, I'm like, I'm, and, and there was a sentence in there. I was going to read it to you, but I, I, I realized that the sentence included a bunch of words. I had no idea what they were talking <laughs> yeah. about. Minted NFT, non-fungible like, token, Non-fungible. And I'm yeah, like, I don't yeah, know. It, Ethereum. It only costs 1.2 it, ETH. It, yeah. I don't yeah, know. It's, it's a whole other world. And it's great. It's uh, to me, I think it's, um, it's obviously going to die down a little bit in terms of like the hype is so, real right now uh and it does play into the metaverse so i think it's going to stay it's going to be here to stay but it'll cool but it's it's a it's an investment if you buy a a digital asset or a song from our lady peace or something for whatever Mm -hmm. if you can turn it around and sell it then good for you yeah you know but it's only worth what so it's non-fungible there's no real value to it other than what someone's willing to pay for it so if you know how to manipulate the system and make money, awesome. For over 25 years, servicing 20 million people, including <laughs> Mark Saltzman. GoDaddy is where you go to get a domain, create a website, and everything else you need to get your business online. Let me stress this. No credit cards required to get started. GoDaddy.ca. Mark Saltzman. 
You're a lovely human being, and every time you're on the program, you make it better. Thank you. Thank you yes. so much. Humble Howard and Fred, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, dude. Okay, buddy. Take it easy. There you go. There's our friend Mark Saltzman. I, I remember those days when Mark would come into the uh, Edge Studios. I'm talking the 16th floor, Young and Dundas, and I was always looking forward to it. Mark was the first guy that we ever saw with a smartphone. Uh, first person I ever knew that there was a difference between Android and iOS, all this stuff. That's who Mark Saltzman is. And I was happy to hear him say that he didn't invest in uh, NFTs and crypto because I'm like, whew, yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Mark. Take care, man. Thanks, you too. So much, gents. All right. Okay, buddy. Yeah, I think he was one of those guys way back when that said, you know, eventually your whole life will be in your hand, meaning a phone. <laughs> right. And I'm thinking, what are they talking about? As if your, yeah, phone, your phone, watch TV on your phone. What is this? The fucking Jetsons? I know. Forget it. I remember yeah. a conversation with you and I. This is early on, and I had a... This is when we. This is how old we are. We called them car phones, and they had yeah. those little squiggly antennas, and they yeah. were phones. They were shaped yep. like a phone. And I remember talking to you. This is again around the same time we're working downtown at Young and Dundas. Mm -hmm. And I had a conversation, and you said, "Why?" I asked you about something to do with the phone, and your response was, "Why would I ever take this out of my car?" <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah, right. And yeah. I was like, I don't know, because you'd want to. I mean, I remember the first two years of the car phone. The only thing I ever did with it was to call people and say, guess where I'm calling you from? Right. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's all changed. And uh, I don't know, like, I've been thinking a lot about the Bitcoin cryptocurrency world and thinking because you, you can't help but feeling somewhere that are we missing out? Or have I missed it? Am I uh, should I oh, have that in my portfolio? Crazy drive you crazy absolutely it would you know when he tells that story when they were 100 bucks again and i forget what it was i think it was 2011 12 whatever it was yep. we had some guy in talking about bitcoin and talking about the potential and where it's going and it's like yeah okay buddy yeah great number one we don't know what you're talking about number two you're crazy mm -hmm. i remember us years ago before that having a conversation with somebody about the BlackBerry about investing in that. And this was in the early, early days of that. Same thing. It's like, I didn't even know what they were talking about it at the time. And we could have. Do they still make those? No. Like, or, um, oh, okay. I shouldn't say no. I know that uh, I read some article recently where they, they've officially, uh, you know, I shouldn't say it. I don't really know. Mm -hmm. Bullshit. Have you ever thought about once you're retiring, once we're no longer doing this, what you might take out of your life? Um, I'm not sure what you mean. Well, I, you know, sometimes ignorance is bliss, is what I'm saying. Oh, I see what you, you know mean. What yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, will I have, well, not that I do all the time now, but will I have my phone on me less? Will I subscribe to less things? You know, I don't know. Uh, you know, I can't imagine. I know you said something. We were on a call the other night or the other afternoon, you and I and the ladies, and you were talking about winding this thing down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, you meant in the context of, you know, maybe not producing as many shows or something. Right. But at some yes. point, like the, 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 the thing about doing this show is it's so easy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so it's not taking it's not that we don't try. It doesn't take a lot of our time. And, you know, I, I like the idea. Like I sat down and wrote some notes this morning of the things I wanted to present to you and, and the audience. And I was thinking like, well, 
if I didn't have a job today, would I still be going to all these sites and reading all these things and wanting to share them with somewhere? Like, I would always have the impetus to do that somehow. Well, this is the, you know, and this is why I bring it up, because, you know, I don't know how many hours in a day I have my phone in my hand that I'm looking at stuff. But the only reason I'm looking at it is to stay ahead of things because I know I'm doing the show tomorrow morning. And it's the same thing. I mean, for, forget about, you know, did we miss the boat on Bitcoin? I don't want to miss the I don't want to miss the boat on a story that we could be talking about the next day. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if we weren't doing this show, I would like to think that phone's going to be in my hand a lot less during a day because every minute I'm doing that, maybe I could be doing something else. I I, I don't I understand it. I mean, as for me, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I have the phone on me all the time. I'm not looking at it all the time, but I'll tell you one right. thing that I, I don't know that I will do as much of is, you know, I, I like I, I'm just going to tell you, I, I don't know what happened somewhere in the middle of our trip in Palm Springs. I can't remember if it came from Rachel or me. We were looking for someone to watch one night and started watching or rewatching Game of Thrones. Mm hmm. Okay, here's the problem. My OCD brain caught on to the idea that I should watch the entire series of Game of Thrones. That's eight seasons. The first four or five seasons are 10 or 15 episodes. The last couple are six episodes. But once I started watching it, I couldn't stop watching it. And at the end of it last week, when I finally got to the end of Game of Thrones again, I said to myself, you know what? I'm not doing that again because it just took too much of my time. I thought, what could I? It's a lot of hours. What could I have been doing through those whatever number of hours that is that I wasn't doing mm-hmm. watching Game of Thrones? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it, it's uh, yeah, it's something to think about because I think, you know, if I'm 68, 69, we're not doing this show anymore like. I don't, there's going to be a lot of stuff I don't need to know because knowing stuff sometimes just causes aggravation, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. And the thing is, at that age, maybe you can check out of the world a bit if it makes you feel better. I probably won't. That's what I'm I was going to say. Been, you won't. Like I've always been an information junkie, but I, I just think of those things because if I can grab my phone today and, you know, at 2 o'clock this afternoon, go on the CNN uh uh, app and I, I, I read something that makes my heart sink. It's like, you know, do it. Do I need this? And, and that sounds very selfish compared to what they're going through. But really, do I need this? You know, I watched uh, the Canadian news. I started with uh, CNN from about quarter to six to six. Then I watched uh, CTV uh, and a little bit of global. Then I went back to CNN, basically about an hour and 15 minutes, just to kind of get a, a sense of what was going on. And then I checked out of it. That was the only time I mm-hmm. paid attention to it all day. But getting back to something you just said about, you know, when you're 68 or 69, you're not doing the show. Like, you're still, like, you're a news, you're an information person, not mm-hmm. because you were in radio, but you've been in radio so long, and, mm-hmm. and we have this muscle of, you know, mm-hmm. I wrote down five or six things here that are just, yes. that are just mm-hmm. for you. That are just for us to do. Like, I, I will still do that. I still write jokes almost daily. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I was going to do stand up this weekend, but I still do it. It's a muscle I exercise. And I can't imagine you not wanting to exercise that muscle. If you're, if you're healthy, right. what would stop you, especially if we're still having support from sponsors? What's stopping us from doing this? Oh, nothing. 
I'm just saying with that eventuality, because I've often thought if we stop doing this, would I start again to exercise that muscle? Would I just start writing a blog again? Not even for other people, for me. Because back when I used to do a blog, you actually were in the spotlight because not everybody had a blog and Facebook wasn't around. Yeah. So you sort of had the spotlight. Yeah. Now everybody thinks or everybody has the spotlight. So if you get back into blogging after being off for years, you're more or less doing it for yourself. And again, to exercise that muscle, to feel like you're on some level still involved. Uh, you know, I've thought the same thing in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, I have this setup. If you decided or you got, you know, somehow you couldn't do a show anymore, I would still do something. I still have a golf podcast. Maybe I'd start doing that more. I, I just can't imagine if I were healthy and I had access to this uh, equipment, right. what would prevent me from mm-hmm. continuing to do it? N- not for the not the vanity of it, the mm-hmm. just the expression of it. You know, the reason I, I could have put in for a spot yesterday and I said to Rachel, I think I might, you know, do yuck yucks this weekend. And then I I decided yesterday not to mainly for the fact that it's easier. It's so much easier not to do stuff. That is the easiest thing <laughs> in the world. No, you're right. But mm-hmm. it's also, I know if I put in for a spot, I'm going to have to spend some time this week getting it ready, and which I like, but um, it's not. that's not a muscle I, I'm as compelled to exercise as much as this one. Mm-hmm. Dan Duran is here, everybody. Look at him. Sweet man. Thank you. I was going to say that Fred's putting the phone down thing after do, not doing the show. <laughs> yeah. That idea. Well, he just full circled it right back to, well, if I'm writing a log, blog, then he'd have to be back on the phone and staying well, current with well, things. Well, that's it. Of course. Yeah. You're right. The other option for you, of course, is to just uh, put a Muskoka chair out on your pool deck and rock back and forth listening mm-hmm. to the Jays game every day. Yeah. yeah. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and you know, <laughs> listen, there was a time when guys, you know, listen, my dad did that. My, my father mm-hmm. spent... 162 Jays games every year. Every sure. game, my dad made sure he was either listening to it or watching sure. it. Yeah. But there was a time when guys our age would have no options in broadcasting. Where would we go? What would we yes. do? Mm-hmm. But I'm 62. You guys are 64 and 5. You know, we can continue doing this for as long as we feel like it. Right. And that was not open to us you know, I can't remember the age of Wally Crowder, Don Daynard, etc. when they retired, but they were probably around our age. I just read something yesterday, a guy, a sportscaster CBC named Fred Walker. And I remember my early sportscasting days, I would often see him at events and press boxes and stuff. And he just died at 82. And it's funny how this stuff comes up. Um and I thought, 82, and he, had, he, he retired when he was like 57, and I thought, you know, I haven't heard of this guy for like 25 years. I just haven't heard of him. But see, he probably just missed, oh, maybe not just missed, but you know what I mean? That This whole idea of continuing to get your keep your voice out there was just a little too much after his time, so to speak, yeah. you know? And there's lots of guys like that, and I feel bad for that because, again, you're sort of silenced or you're forgotten. But our era, our generation, yeah, there's no, there's no reason for that. It doesn't have to be. Well, not, not yes, yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. Not our era, the era behind us, because a lot of the guys our age, the brother Jakes and those right. guys and the Jesse and Jeans, they've come mm-hmm. to podcasting, but not as their mm-hmm. regular gig. Like, they're not doing it as, they're, I can't think of anyone in our era that's doing it like we are for a living. No. 
No, no. Um, Dan Duran, before we get to your news today. Yes. Because I made such a big, you know, thing of teasing to the end of the podcast. <laughs> um, just briefly, you've heard of this series called Drive to Survive. The F1 series. We've oh, yeah. About I started watching show. a few yeah. of those episodes. Yeah. 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 Fascinating. And uh, it's. I think they just finished season four. We talked about it on the show. Someone like me that really wasn't interested in F1. I found it fascinating. I watched the first season. We talked about it. Fred Ball, our friend, a big F1 guy. And what it did, though, overall, because it was on Netflix, it exposed an entirely new audience to F1, which had been a predominantly mm-hmm. European centric sport i know it's all over the world mm-hmm. and the point i'm going to make is that it's gotten it what that series did is made the sport so popular in the states mm-hmm. where they've added a second um event and what it did is it brought the average age of an f1 um fan it, mm-hmm. it brought the age down. Prior to uh, Drive to Survive, the age of an F1 fan was 36 years old, and it's brought it down to 32. So it's, it's what, and, and as I said, it's an increased the exposure in the North American market for that, for that sport. I bring this up because uh, a couple reasons. Um, they're doing this, the people that are producing that have started producing a similar type series for the PGA Tour. First time ever, unprecedented. They, the tours have un, have granted unprecedented access to about twenty to twenty five players, and they're following them throughout the season, including the majors, etc. So that was interesting to me. Obviously, a golf fan, but in listening to uh, this podcast about the series, um, they went through the average age of different sports' fans, and I was really surprised. So. I'll start with the oldest one. The average age of a golf fan. What do you think what do you think it is? Uh, probably pushing fifty. Yeah, I was gonna say fifty five. Mm. Keep going. Really? Average average age sixty higher than that. Really? Yeah. That means a lot of eighty year olds are yeah, yeah, and and if you look at the advertising, the advertising is in banks, insurance, you know, a lot of mm. uh, medical stuff where where the, the fine print and the guy is he's doing the thing at the end. There's a uh, sixty-four years old. NBA. What do you think the average age of the NBA is? That's interesting. That's an interesting average. Average is the key here. Mm. Yeah, Probably 30, 33 yeah. or something. Yeah. Freddie, what do you think? I'd say somewhere in the 30s. 42. Yeah. NFL. Yeah. I'm not surprised because the thing is they have a lot of older, you know, people that hang on, right? Yeah. They have young and old. So I could see 40. Yeah. Uh, what about the NFL? Uh, I would say that's a little higher than. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. 50. Yeah. Major League mm-hmm. Baseball. Oh, very interesting. I'd say that's getting that's getting older than they would like it to be. I would 57. say 50. Yep. 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 I, I, yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saved the uh, hockey to last because this surprised me. Mm-hmm. The NHL. What is the average age of the uh, sport fan? I might say it's the youngest of them all because it's being adopted quickly it's by younger people. 
Well, it's younger than the NFL and uh, Major League Baseball, but older than the NBA. It's 49 years old. Really? really? Yeah, man. Oh. I'm, surpri- I'm surprised at that. Well, well, it's, it's, well. You made, it's your point. There's a lot of older hockey fans. That include you and your mm-hmm. mid-60s, and it includes, you know, kids in their, you know, 30s. And But, you know, where you're not cultivating... When you get new, there's kids that grow up with baseball in the United States and just sort of move into it, so to speak. Where hockey, I believe, in the United States is cultivating new people all the time to the sport. Yeah. If I'm explaining it, no, well, I know like mean. it wasn't part of the baseball's always been part of their world. So you become a baseball fan. Hockey was never part of my world, but I've now gone there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about yeah. soccer? I don't have that statistic, Dan. Thank you for asking. Oh, sorry, I don't know. Sorry, That's I fine. You would have. I know. All, I I just got these numbers from listening to this podcast this morning about the producers of this series, and then then they started going through the other sports. The point was this series is what is going to do for golf, which is bring the average age down. Right. Which is I told you sixty four. Uh huh. Wow. Because See, they're. The, the thing is, motor racing is it's a pretty good TV sport traditionally. Whether you, where the golf's problem to me is, you need the big names and it costs a lot of money to play. You know what I mean? So younger, the reason I think it's so old. You know, a lot of young people might want to golf, but you know, at sixty, seventy bucks around, it's like ah, you know. So if you can't play it, and then is it the best TV sport for those that? aren't aware of it well according to what i listened to this morning is what they found was well again two things f1 became more popular in the states because of the because because and if you've watched that series and the point they make to your point Mm -hmm. you know f1 is a is not the you know it's there's a lot you you really have to follow it and and you know it may not be the best television sport in terms of there's a lot of stuff going on a lot of but what the what the right. series did is it gave you an insight into what the drivers are going through and it mm-hmm. made it, it became the stories were great and i think that's what they're going to find with golf they're not going to show much of the actual tournament play because as they say as their producer said by the time this comes out the tournament who won it mm-hmm. doesn't matter anymore mm-hmm. it's more about what these kids go through to get themselves ready to play at the highest level of their sport. So then they're counting on you being more interested in knowing what mm. knowing what Justin Thomas goes through to get himself ready for a tournament might make it more interesting to follow him if you follow me. Yeah. It, what about it, uh, the, uh, the the players? Do they do they have to uh, authorize that as well? Yeah. Or are they just because they're playing? No, no, no. They, they're following. I think they signed up 22 guys. Some big names. Dustin Johnson. Colin Morikawa, Justin Thomas, like they're the some of the premier, similar to some of the guys they followed in the F1. There were some, you know, pretty big names that you got to know a little bit about. And even though, and that's not a sport where you can say, oh, I've done that before, you know. What, driving? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, like if you're watching a, 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 ho- a series like that about hockey, oh, I played hockey, I get sort of get a feel, or I've swung a golf club before, I sort of get this, or a basketball on and on. But, you know, I mean... The unique thing about that is, like, nobody can point to that and say, oh, I've done that, you know. And, and, and what, I, again, I remember having this conversation with Fred Ball. I had no idea what went on behind the scenes at an F1 race. Not only that, I didn't understand what the drivers went through. Mm-hmm. So if you're not a golf fan and you're watching this series on Netflix a year from now, you might mm-hmm. be going like, oh, 
I just thought these guys hit the ball with a stick, but there's like a whole world of it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's similar in that the tour travels from city to city and there's all these behind the scenes stuff. I, anyway, I just thought I'd bring it up because of the average age of different sports. You know, you bring up a great point too, Fred Ball. I haven't heard from him in a long time. I hope he's not dead. <laughs> that is a that's that's that is Fred, the best point, Fred. Freddie if, Freddie, if you're alive, can you text me now? Because I haven't heard from him in months, literally months, and I hope that he hasn't passed and we didn't find out. That's all. Yeah, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, comes to find out that ball's dead. Nancy, why didn't you tell me? Nancy, we would have come to Collingwood. Yeah. Especially if you serve some of those snacks. No. Here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Oh. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes as has for credentials. He has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man's here. He's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice. My voice is nice and low. And now from one of Humble and Fred's three mobile studios, live from Lake... What? This just in. This just in from Fred Ball. Go fuck a duck. (laughs) Aw. So he's Uh, alive. Yeah, well, no. Ball update there. Hey, hey, Ball, I don't know if that's you. If I don't get a note, I'm going to assume you're still dead. (laughs) Um, Okay. Uh, Hang on a second. Here we go. I'm sorry, Dan. That's fine. Dan Duran uh, from one of three mobile studios in Toronto, Brampton, and Lakeside with with Humble and Fred News. Here's Anchorman Dan Duran. A lot going on in the world, from Russia's war crimes to Miami Beach declaring a spring break emergency, state of emergency. Let's talk about executions. Yes. Firing firing squads are now on the death penalty menu. As of Friday, South Carolina is now prepared to perform executions by firing squad now that they've renoed the death chamber. So, inmates can now choose either electric chair... If the drugs are available, lethal injection, <laughs> and now firing squad. I love that. As I said to you earlier, I just love the fact that now death, the, you know, death row has got an app. <laughs> it's like just <laughs> drop down back. menu. Hey, oh, wait a second. I, you know what? I, I thought I wanted lethal injection, but I, you know what? I'm really feeling firing squad. Right. <laughs> it, Wonder how late how how late you can change your uh, your uh, yeah. decision. Well, they got to get the guys. On the, yeah, on the on the drop down menu, there'd ought to be the last meal. Options, <laughs> That's right. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is bored to anyway. death part of this menu? I, I'd like to be bored to right, death. Yeah. That's what I would like. You know, the firing squad is a uh, is very interesting because you know what they do. If there's six guns, right? Yeah. One of them has a blank, and the guys pick up their gun. Nobody knows who had the blank, so nobody really knows yeah. who may have fired the fatal shot. Is that the the firing squad tradition? I didn't know about yeah, the Yeah, blank. yeah, yeah. That's how they do it. One wow. has a blank, so nobody can really know definitively that they fired right. the, uh, the 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 shot that killed the person. Well, now, now well, that I've told you, I've just watched eight seasons of Game of Thrones, I'll tell you that there's three ways that people died in Game of Thrones, and I will list them in best to worst. Worst, okay. worst. I'm sorry, best. Uh, at one point, one of the guys freezes overnight. And he just dies in his sleep. Absolutely the best. Yes. The worst is that um, Ramsey Bolton, who flayed people. 
Do you know what flaying is? That's basically peeling back their skin while you're still alive. Yeah. Skinning them alive. Worst way. Oh, tied with having the dogs bite your face. Oh, that's, yeah. What about the, the, you know, the the guts hanging out? Is that? That's not a good one either. No, flaying is the skin. The other bad way to die on Game of Thrones is if uh, uh, Daenerys Targaryen gets one of her fire-breathing dragons to spit in your face with fire. Not good. Not good, no. No. Well, this brings us back to last week when I was talking about ways, you know, to to get Putin. See, there's all, skinning alive would be nice with Putin. Oh, yeah. As I said, burning his eyes. Like, apparently, too, eh? It's this morning. Like he's really distanced himself because there's rumors that those below him might want to take him out. Yeah, like, you mentioned that. There's there. more serious talk of that now. Um, which which would be nice. You yeah. know, speaking of checking back in, you know, there was a couple conversations I heard yesterday. Just you know, former ambassador talking about this and that, and it's. I, I don't know. Should we talk about how serious this thing is? Because it's pretty fine serious. You know, there's a lot of moving parts and, you know, something could happen by mistake that starts the, you know, the world at war is basically all those NATO countries having mm-hmm. to wade into this fracas. So you got to prioritize. Right now, I'm a little obsessed with the Leafs still don't have a goaltender. So once I get through that, then maybe I'll, you know. <laughs> <laughs> can we can we get back to the death chamber? Oh yes, yes. yeah. I got to prioritize right now. I'm I'm all up in arms about tipping at counters. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Dan. Just so you know, they they installed bulletproof glass in the uh, chamber for the viewing gallery, so that you know nothing can go wrong. That oh, way. I see. And don't they also shoot th- through a uh, an opening like they don't actually yeah, see? So the, the yeah, so the viewing gallery can't see the guns and there's three uh, right. three assassins or three, you know, fire, three rifles that are there. That, and they'll put a, uh, this is according to the regulations, they put a little target over the heart so that they'll uh, shoot that way. And the viewing chamber is from the side for this so that mm. you'll you'll see the profile of the guy, but you won't see, you know, front or back or anything like that. Um, and that's uh, and they they shoot from an opening about fifteen feet away, mm-hmm. and the person will have a hood over top of them so they can't see what's going on. Uh, and if they, you know, I guess that's the, I don't know if that's true for lethal injection or, or the uh, the other way of going. Anyway, well, I think they always cover the person's head. Yes, do they? Okay, oh, so you don't see the excruciation of the. What the about demise? the uh, fact that no matter how you die, whether it's the chair or lethal injection or being shot. What about the fact that, you know, the person just shits themselves? Can we not Oh, yes, talk? they shit themselves. No, they shit themselves. You don't let that? I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, when you I die. I haven't spent a lot of time around uh, people well, being killed. But they, what, do they just evacuate everybody their... Everybody uh, does. Because it... Oh yeah, when you die, one of the things that the reason that death smells is because it's a poopy. Well, well, if if you took a bullet to the head or something, wouldn't you shoot yourself? You probably shoot yourself as the bullet's coming. Mm -hmm. Probably, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Listen, no matter how you die, your sphincter releases the duty. Yeah, but Fred makes a good point. Just before, I mean, that's when you're. You don't know though. Yeah, I guess you don't know. You don't know. know. You do not. Good point. And the thing is, for some of us, what's the big deal? <laughs> I'll, <shit> myself. <laughs> I'll bet you that they give these guys 
some kind of tranquilizer. They have to. They give them a volume. They give them something because it's the moments. Forget shitting yourself. Those mm-hmm. moments when they're putting the the hood on, you know, you're starting to hyperventilate. Like, it's not a good thing, Dan. A little panic attack, yeah. Yeah, I'd say. It's probably on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> little drop down menu. <laughs> Sedation. Yeah. This okay, just so in. You, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. This just in from Fred Ball. You talk about the Netflix show, yet the first race was Sunday and ended with great excitement. So I, he seems a little annoyed that the Netflix series gets more attention than the actual event, mm. it seems. He just, text, oh. he just sent me two texts. Bite my clank. <laughs> <laughs> then the second one is, did you watch the first F1 race this past weekend? The second race is this weekend. Oh, good for you, ball. <laughs> anyway. I read something about the Mercedes thing. Did something about their side something or other. I don't really understand, but... Oh, who won? Well, that's some good reporting. <laughs> yeah. that's, I don't know. I, 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 you know, I read something that. about something with sports. something. That's sports. I'm doing news. You guys do sports. Uh, okay. I know nothing about sports. Uh, do you have any more news for us today? This long? No, I think, we, I think we'll save it. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, did we talk at all about the Bodog odds? Fred, did you... Uh uh, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker or casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook, and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Go to Bodog today. All the big four sports are there, but hey, don't forget... Down to the Sweet 16. Oh, you have the chance to play, uh, you know, the remaining six teams in the NCAA tournament, which is always exciting. Even for those that aren't totally into it, it's an exciting time. Bodog. Dan, you had your finger up in the air. What was it for? Oh, I just wanted to mention I have a toad update for you from yesterday because oh. we were talking about licking toads. Ah. Uh, licking toads. Oh, that was uh, for the hallucinogenic effect. Yes. And that's the cane toad, not the toad we were talking about oh, yesterday. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I thought Dan was going to say I have a toad update. There's one up my ass right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, anyway. Well, so Dan- it's, it, it's, uh, the, it was a thing. It may still be a thing, but it was a, especially in the 90s, there was a lot of toad licking yeah. going on. That's when people first uh, licked a toad. Yeah, that's right. All right. Uh, weren't you going to have a chicken update? Was there a chicken uh, update? Yeah, I, I had it earlier mm-hmm. in the show. I'm, so, oh, I'm sorry. I missed it. Yeah. I missed it. Okay. It was great. It was basically a, an email, and somebody sent us some video from uh, a Jim Carrey movie where somebody had a chicken up their ass, Dan. Oh, okay, mm. sorry. Uh, before we finish the show, though, you know, speaking of Bodog, and in case you didn't get everything Chris from Fred. again. Do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard, you know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. All right. Thanks to uh, Richard Krause. That was great. Thanks to Mark Saltzman and GoDaddy. Appreciate uh, tomorrow. On this program, Retirement Sherpa is going to be hanging out. Paul Romanuk, host of that Beatles podcast. Uh, the Walrus was Paul. And then we'll wind out the week with Darren Dreger. Dan Duran, everybody. 
This episode of Hummel and Fred was brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, and GoDaddy. For Hummel and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. Don't forget to like us and subscribe. Destination, a little up the road from the habitations and the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low, the jigsaw jazz and the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, or just clap your hands, or just clap your hands. Where's that?